Our daughter, Allison, and her husband and two sons visited with us this past week. And they live in western New York, near Buffalo. And the week before they came, my wife was telling her it was like 96, 97 degrees here. And she says, well, I hope it's not going to be that hot when we're there. And my wife laughed. And my thought was, you better buckle up, Buttercup, because it's going to be hot. And there was a couple of days, actually, that were in the upper 80s, which was surprising. Um, but mostly the mid-upper 90s, and I think we hit 100 once while we were here. But we're originally from that part of the country, and we know how summer is. Uh, cool to warm, and that's about what you get used to. So... Uh, eight months out of the year, you need to have the furnace on there. Or six months out of the year, you have to be running the AC here. So it kind of works out, but it's just what you get used to. And, you know, you kind of develop your life around whatever it is you've got. Uh, you know, we've lived a lot of different places. And Western New York was the coldest place we lived for sure. But some people, you know, think that the cold is normal or the hot is normal or whatever. Uh, and some people think it's normal uh, in other parts of our lives, too. Uh, you know, if you've always had everything that you needed um, and you had both parents, you think that that's normal. Or if you've only had one parent, you think that's normal. Uh, if you maybe had to, to work, uh, go to work when you were in high school, uh, not just for spending money, but to maybe help pay the bills, uh, you would think that was normal. Uh, if you had to wear secondhand clothes, you know, to me, that's normal, right? But often we find ourselves in situations because of other people's choices. But sometimes we find ourselves in those situations because of our own bad decisions. So I know I've made many good choices, but I know I've made some pretty poor decisions at the same time. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that we know we can come to you for the help and the guidance that we need, that we can come to your word and use it to guide us and direct us in life and Help us, help us to make better choices, uh, because that's what we all want. We want to make the choices that you want us to make, and we know they'll be the best. So, Father, we know that the best thing that we can do is to study and read and make your word a part of our lives every day. And so as we look at your word now, Father, help us to, to see the message that you have for us. And, Lord, to, to see what it is you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'll first give us the, the context, or I'll give you the passage, and then I'll put that verse in context, okay? Um, Paul is summarizing in Philippians 4. Okay, this is the last chapter in that book, and a couple different times he, he says, finally, but it's not finally. Um the third time he says, finally, then it's finally, finally. But in Philippians 4, verses 
um, 4 through 9, this is what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, there's a lot to this short passage. You know, I could probably do a two or three week series on it at least. But what Paul is trying to do is to get the Philippians to be focusing on the right things. Uh, this is one thing that certainly applies to us today. So I'm going to choose just one verse and go from there. And that's verse 8. And I'll give it to you again. But this is from the New Living Translation. Not a whole lot different than the NIV. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Okay, eight things we're going to look at. And so let's start with true is the first one that Paul gives us. Okay, Paul is asking them and us about our thoughts. And so he wants to know, are your thoughts, are they based on facts? Or are you maybe exaggerating a little bit or going by just what somebody told you? Or maybe you're ignoring the facts. Are your thoughts lined up with God and with his word and with his work and with his purpose for yourself or myself? Okay, because if not, then we're not looking at what is true. Okay, we're looking at maybe just what we want to look at or look at things in the way that we want to look at them. So those are some pretty deep thoughts. You know, are our thoughts lined up with God? Well, sometimes and sometimes not. Okay, the next word in that passage is noble. And the Greek there is semnos, which means honest, grave, honorable. Okay, so here Paul is asking, is this thought worthy of respect and admiration? Does it honor God and his image bearers? And who are his image bearers? Hey, that's you and me. If we call ourselves born again or Christian or Jesus follower or a believer or whatever you want to call yourself. But we need to act in ways that glorify the Lord. We need to speak in ways that glorify the Lord. Why? Because 
This is the noble thing to do. Okay, we're not talking about noble as in royalty. You know, that probably doesn't apply to very many of us. But at the same time, we can be noble in our things with the Lord. Well, in verse 8, it asks us to whatever is right. Hmm. There seems to be a lot of not knowing right from wrong in our world. And it's something that people are going to disagree with forever. Okay, because what I think is right, you may not agree with me and think that that's wrong and the other way around. But we need to have things that are right with the Lord. Here the Greek for right means holy or just or right. Okay, so are you thinking about things that are just, things that are holy, things that are right? So we need to ask ourselves, is this thought reflecting God's justice and his righteousness? That's a big order to fill, okay? I'd have to be changing some of my thoughts to make sure that I'm um, reflecting God's righteousness for sure. So in other words, does the thought show that we're self-righteous? maybe vengeful, jealous, or unforgiving. You know, sometimes us Christians, we can be that way. Okay, we can have thoughts that, you know, are maybe unforgiving or jealous or judgmental. Okay, because as believers, we can look at what somebody's doing and just, you know, say, well, just look at what he's doing. You know, that's not right. That doesn't tell you that in the Bible that you should be doing that. Or we can listen to a, a woman, young woman maybe, or older woman, and we can say, well, she swears like a sailor. Now, sailors have taken a bad rap here because most men, in the company of men anyways, swear often. There's a story about these men that were working at a convent, building on some new rooms, and the head nun, the mother superior, whatever, came out to talk to the the general contractor, and she says, "You know this language that that these guys are, are using. You know, just really very upsetting, and you know, we really wish you could kind of clean up your language and and all." And and he, you know, was just kind of gruff guy that's been working in construction for a long time and and all and he says you know my guys just call a spade a spade and the mother superior looks at him and says no they don't they call it an effing shovel okay and that's probably true okay but I've been around women that are the same I remember not too many years ago being in a hotel checking in and apparently there was a bunch of people from a wedding party that were staying at the same hotel and there was these I don't know three or four very good looking young women that were standing there waiting to check in as well and I could not believe the language that these young women were using 
mean, I worked in the jail for 10 years, and it was the language that I heard out of the blocks in the jail, not the women's section. Well, yes, the women's section too, but, you know, I worked mostly in the men's section, obviously, but, you know, the language was pretty much the same as what I hear there. So sometimes there's too many goody two-shoes in church. And they let you know. They let you know when your thoughts or your actions aren't what they should be. So let's move on to being pure. Whoa. The Greek meaning there is innocent, modest, clean, pure. Pure as the driven snow. So that's what our thoughts need to be. And ask yourself this question. Are your thoughts something that you wouldn't be ashamed of if others knew them? Hmm. You know, if your thoughts, you know, in cartoons where they have the conversation bubble and it comes down as a little arrow-like at the bottom, and if it's a, a thought bubble, it has little circles, little bubbles coming down. You know, what if our thoughts were out there like that cartoon bubble about thoughts? You know, I think, I know, I'd be thinking differently sometimes than the way I do. And I think most of us would be. As believers, we should live lives that we're not ashamed of. You know, we've said it or maybe heard it said that if my mother or my father knew this, I would be grounded forever. Or that would make my grandmother turn over in her grave. So we need to ask ourselves, does this live up to God's standards of purity and holiness? Sometimes I or we think we just have to live up to the standards of other Christians. You know, that we have to be as good as the pastor. We have to be as good as the head of the trustees, or we have to be as good as the choir director or the Bible study teacher. You know, we don't need to be a Christian like John Doe or Mary Smith or whoever. We need to be like Christ. That's who we're called to be. Okay? Because we're going to be judged by God's standards, not by the church's standards, and certainly not by the world's standards. So how about this one? Whatever is lovely. I got to find out what Paul meant about that. And so I looked at the Greek, and it means whatever is friendly or acceptable, or lovely. Not like, it's a lovely day. It's more like, you know, what that person did was really lovely, or they're a really lovely person for the way that they act and how they work with other people. So I think we all know some lovely people. You know, little old ladies. You know, I just remember some of the little old ladies that I have worked with in churches over the years, and there were some really lovely people. And, you know, people that, you know, you say, well, I wish she could have been my grandma. 
But I think what Paul is meaning is this. Are my thoughts something that would bring joy or glory or delight to the Lord? Or are my thoughts sweet or are they bitter? Are they beautiful or are they ugly? They need to be lovely. Now, admirable. Okay, that's a tough one. So, again, I'm going to make a comparison here. Okay, are my thoughts something that the world is going to celebrate or something that God will be celebrating? Whoa, there's a big difference there, isn't there? First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. Okay? We're going to, like I said before, we're going to be judged by the Lord. Okay? So we need to be doing things and thinking things that are pleasing to the Lord. And if those things happen to please people, good. If not, good. Okay? It really doesn't matter. Now, if you thought the others sounded difficult, how about this one? If anything is excellent, yeah, right. How can I have excellent thoughts? Okay, again, remember we're not talking about the world because what the world sees as excellent thoughts, you know, like, hey, you know, I got where I am, you know, by hard work and, you know, I have the things that I have because, you know, the money that I invested and, you know, it's all about me. You know, where we should be looking instead is, do my thoughts overflow with the excellence of Jesus Christ? Do my thoughts acknowledge Christ's love, his holiness, and his great mercy? Okay, now, don't get mad at me, ladies, but the Greek here is arete, which means manliness or virtue, or praise. And that's the last one. Praiseworthy. Are your thoughts praiseworthy? In other words, are my thoughts something that would cause others to praise the Lord if they knew them? Yeah. Yeah, sure they would. Well, most of the time. Well, maybe sometimes. I guess on occasion. And even from our own perspective, do my thoughts fill my heart with thanks and worship? If the answer to that is no, the answer to the first question would have to be the same, okay? That my thoughts aren't something that's going to lead someone to praise the Lord, okay? If it doesn't make me want to praise God, it's my thoughts certainly aren't going to lead somebody else to praise the Lord. You know, sometimes our thoughts can make us an, an Eeyore. Remember Eeyore? 
from Winnie the Pooh. And, you know, sometimes those thoughts will, if they're exposed to others, will have the same effect. Okay, we've all seen that in the church or classroom. You know, the attitude of the speaker counts. Okay, you know, if we're always talking down and, you know, being very pessimistic and everything, you know, that's going to pull everybody else down. I took an archaeology class in college, and, you know, to me that's one class that could have been really boring. But the man that taught it just made it come alive, if you can make archaeology come alive. But, you know, he just made it interesting. Well, the Greek here for praiseworthy means commendable or praise. You know, nobody is due praise more than our Lord. So our thoughts should lead us and others to praise him. Well, verse 9 finishes this passage. and says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put this into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I don't think Paul is trying to toot his own horn and say, just look at me, you know, I'm just the best example out there. Because again, we're not supposed to be as good a Christian as Paul. We're supposed to model ourselves after Christ. Yeah, but Paul knows how he lived his life, you know, how he lived his life before Jesus came into it and how he has lived since then. And he's worked hard at being a good example. He said something similar in Philippians 3, 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Okay, he's trying to get people to, to look at the best models that they have on earth. But even so, we know, you know, if our model is a nine, we need to strive to be a ten because that's what Jesus is. Okay, this letter to the church of Philippi is to both trying to, to commend them and to encourage the believers at the same time. You know, since the church is made up wholly of Gentiles, you know, throughout the chapter or throughout the book, Paul didn't use any Old Testament references because they wouldn't have meant anything to him. In Philippi, there was no synagogues. But there was a lot of other foreign gods that people were worshiping. So he knew, knew he needed to keep pointing the church in the right direction, to build them up and to be in contact with them and to let them know, you know, that he was praying for them and that, you know, he was pleased with the things that they were doing. He's writing them a very positive letter. And he was writing that from where? From prison. Now, he knew that there was a strong base of believers in the Philippian church. But he knew as well that the strongest believers still need encouragement. Just like you and I, we need encouragement as well. And we can't forget that. Okay, we know that we build a, a firm base for ourselves. And we need to continue to build on that. You know, Christ is our foundation. And so when we have that foundation, we need to keep on building. 
And some of us, you know, we may be working on the second floor already, and others, you know, they're still on the first row of bricks that they're building. And so we need to work harder and to build more on what Jesus is giving us. And that's done through his word more than any place else. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for your word and how it's there to encourage us, not to discourage us in any way, but Lord, help it, it's to help us take a better look at ourselves and to see where, you know, we're doing okay. And at the same time to see where we're really, really off base. So Father, help us to continue to look to you and to know that you have our best interests in mind. That's why you gave us Jesus. That's why you gave us your word. That's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. And like Jesus said, to remind us. Okay, and I know like everybody else, I need a lot of reminders. So Father, help us as believers to know that the Holy Spirit wants to remind us of what we've learned, what we've heard, and Lord, to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I lift up anyone that may be listening that doesn't have a relationship with you, that they know that their life is going in the wrong direction. They know that they uh, need strength, they need help uh, to maybe overcome some different areas in their lives and to make their relationships better. And they've been looking in all the wrong places. And so maybe today is the day that they've found the right place, and that is Jesus Christ, your Son. So Lord, let them pray like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins. Thank you, Lord, for raising him to new life, that I can have new life too. Lord, help me be the person that you need me to be for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.